Hello and welcome back to Gifted Podcast. Hope you're all having a fabulous day. Today I have Laura Di Benedetto, who is the author of the book The Six Habits, also a multi-business owner. She started her first company at 19 and she retired at 36. She just has the most incredible story and is such a powerful person. I was so moved by our conversation and I really think you will be too. I don't want to talk too much because I want to get right into this episode and you guys know I can talk forever. But I really think this is such an important episode. Everything we talk about from finding your happiness to being a woman in business, dealing with sexual harassment, and coming out the other side, being stronger, and finding a way to make your own way in the world without being concerned that other people have a certain perception of you is all really, really vital stuff. One of the things that I'd like to emphasize about this episode is that Laura and I had an incredible conversation about facing sexual harassment in business, in the workplace, in the entrepreneurship world doesn't matter what your gender is, I really encourage you to listen to this because whatever side of this you're on, if you're facing harassment or if you have unintentionally made someone feel uncomfortable, this is just essential. I just feel like if more conversations like this were out there in the world about being a female entrepreneur, about the way that we feel, the struggles that we face, I think it would be a lot safer and a better community. So please, I'm begging you, listen to this episode. It means a lot to me personally. Um, Laura it was just such a joy to talk to. You'll just see in this episode, she's incredible. So without further ado, let's get into it. And if you enjoy today's episode, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Share it with a friend who you think it might help. So I am here with Laura. Laura, thank you so much for being here. I can't even tell you how excited I am to chat with you today. Thank you very much. I'm pumped to chat with you too. Yeah, you just have the most interesting story. And, you know, I read your book, The Six Habits, which we'll talk about. I think it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal book that everyone should be reading. But one of the things that I love the most about your journey is that you are so open about, you know, some of the struggles you've had with the reality of success, the reality of happiness. And that's a lot of what I want to dive into you or into with you today is that you've had these ups and downs in your journey. And that even though you've had this massive success, you've still really started to focus on what happiness actually is. So I think, you know, just such an interesting journey. I would love for you, for everyone who does not kind of have the full context on who you are, just tell me a little bit about your story, your background, how you kind of got into business, what that was like for you. Sure. Uh, So average upbringing, which, you know, basically means it's anything. Uh, (laughs) And I started my uh, first company at 19 um, because I had a series of jobs, 14 in one year to be precise, and I got fired from half. I quit the other half. Turns out I'm not employee of the year. And uh, no, 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 no. So um, I was like, you know, I really feel like I need to be my own boss because I just don't want to be paid badly and I'm tired of this. So I started my own company. What an interesting journey that has been. So I started a business and in the process of that, I learned a lot about myself, what I was capable of, what I wanted out of life, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I was married when I was 23, Um, and before that, I had overcome domestic abuse. Um, First relationship, how awesome is that? It left a few scars. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I went through that whole journey, and I was just hell-bent on being successful because I had been through so much as a child being picked on and the domestic abuse and, you know, a lot of things where I just wanted people to like me. I just wanted me to like me, but I didn't realize that I needed me to like me. I just thought that once I had everybody else's approval, I'd be good to go. I did all the things that it would um, generally take for other people to like me. So I felt like I had to earn people's approval. So I did all the things to be commercially successful, to build up the um, traditional resume, right? Um, So I built a very successful, profitable company and I had the fancy car and I had the fancy house and I did all the things. And then I even retired at 37, like a real badass. But I wasn't happy when I got there. I was like, yay, I did it. Yay. And it was just so anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. And if anything, I was facing the death of um, who I thought I was and wondering why I didn't feel the levels of happiness that I thought I had worked for. I was like, wait, where's my prize? I want it. <laughs> well, I think I was- that's, that's interesting because it's so much of what I find with a lot of the entrepreneurs that I talk to, and this seems to be a common theme, I felt this myself, is I'll be happy when. 
when I get the car or the house or I start the next business or I sell the business. And that just is, that never really comes if that's what you're waiting on. Exactly. I think like most people, I was under the impression that happiness is a destination and that it was something you could earn or work for or achieve. And, you know, I work with a lot of high achievers. And even when someone outwardly says, oh, I know that it's, it's all about the journey, not the destination. Just because you intellectually know something doesn't mean that you've spiritually like aligned with that belief. Um, I hadn't. So I talked the talk, but I wasn't walking the walk. And so I did all these things. I retired and, you know, it was kind of like, where's my prize, right? Didn't, it wasn't there. I was miserable. I was grumpy. My husband probably didn't like me a hell of a lot in that moment. Um, and uh, I just felt a little ripped off, actually. I was like, I did all this work and I did all these things because society keeps telling me, if I work really hard, if I make all the money and if I have all the toys, then I'll be happy because then other people will like me and I will finally have other people's approval. And if you don't believe me, look at any magazine cover, you know, fix this thing that's wrong with your body, fix this wrong with your career because you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. So I did all the things. I got PO'd because I was like, well, I feel like I've been sold a bill of goods here. This is all a lie. What is happiness really? devoid of the headlines, devoid of the marketers. And I say this as a CEO of a marketing company. Mm -hmm. I'm aware marketers <laughs> can be liars. Okay. Um, what is the real truth? So I set out on a journey to make myself feel better. And um, being a type A entrepreneur, problem solver, fixer, I was like, you know what? I need a 90 day program to reset myself and get the truth once and for all. So I did loads of research into what is happiness and what are the things that the happiest and most successful among us have in common. So the more I started looking into this, the more I was like, damn, it's not the stuff. It's not, you know, having a nice pedigree. It's not any of those things. Some of the most happy and successful among us actually don't have a ton of money because they don't need to because money isn't it. Um, the most happy and successful among us, they all have habits of how they treat themselves and how they interact with life. And I was like, oh man, what are those? So I started figuring that out and that's where the six habits was born. And um, truth be told, I didn't plan to write a book. Wasn't the plan. I mean, when I was 10, I was like, I'm going to write a book, mom. Right. Yeah. Um, didn't think it would be a nonfiction. I really didn't really think it would be self-help. I thought yeah. it'd be writing a book about like princesses and castles and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and uh I changed my own life so massively through all my research and just being my own customer, I guess. Um, I was like blown away and I felt like I was finally authentically the person I always wished I was the whole damn time. Um, other people wanted the information, so I shared it and uh, it just necessitated turning it into a book, sharing the 90 day program with others. And it's been awesome to see the transformation in other people. So it's the long version of, um, the story, but that's the story. <laughs> I love that. I think it's amazing. First of all, just, I'm sure you get asked about this all the time, but starting your first company at 19, I relate. Cause that was when I started my first company. And for me, nice. it, it's, but it's funny because it's almost exactly what you said. And now I'm sitting here contemplating my whole life, but uh, it was really derived from this idea that I felt so unsettled. And I felt like every job that I had, I wasn't happy and I wasn't you know, feeling satisfied. And I was always looking for the next thing. And I thought to myself, well, if I work for myself, then I'll feel better and I'll, I'll, I'll feel in control. And I didn't feel that. It wasn't starting the business that made me feel that. It was making all these other changes in my life. And I, I wonder if for you, it was a similar thing of, well, I'll feel better if I'm my own boss. And then you are, and then you're like, wait, well, where's that feeling? Yeah. I mean, Doing my own thing actually did make me feel better in some respects, but it didn't resolve a lot of the underlying stuff. I mean, you read the book, you know, how I was abused right. when I was younger and all of those things. That Entrepreneurship, although an amazing balm, is not the heal everything balm. And it left a lot of things, I guess, untended to. But one in particular was the, the desire of safety. I wanted to feel as though my money was in my control. And my success was within my control and that I couldn't be fired. And if I didn't want to do something, I didn't have to. Um, and that definitely was addressed by entrepreneurship. And the thing about entrepreneurship, as I'm sure you've found, is um, damn if it doesn't reveal 
all the interesting things that make you who you are and all the stuff you really don't want to do. You got to be good at sales. You got to get on the phone and then you discover like A, how courageous you are and B, what a wuss you are at the exact same Mm -hmm. time. Oh yeah. Yeah. You have to make your first like cold call and you're like, I do. Well, what I find so funny about it too is that you really have to, it's like, there's nobody hanging over your head, which is a blessing and a curse. It's like you, you know, if you don't do the things that need to get done, it's just you and your company. Whereas, you know, obviously if you're in a corporate setting, it's your boss is yelling at you and your boss's boss is yelling at you. But when it's just you, it's like, it's, you make it or break it on your own. It's, it's totally your own, you know, how much will you put in? Right. Well, you know, in a corporate environment where there's like hundreds of employees, you can kind of hide. Oh yeah. Your shortcomings aren't as obvious, but when the buck stops with you, everything, it's like, it got a gigantic spotlight on it and like a couple of laser beams being like, Hey, look at this flaw. Look at this. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think what's funny and that I find is like, it's really easy to, to lie to yourself. And I'm sure you've kind of felt this a little bit too. You can really convince yourself that you're good at things or that certain things that you don't like aren't a big deal. But then when you're faced with the reality of like, I have this company now, it needs to succeed in order for me to, you know, eat. Uh, that becomes a, a really big uh, or, ordeal and a thing that you have to face. Yeah. Um, lying to yourself only takes you just so far. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's remarkable the amount of times I thought I was good at something. And then um, I was faced with actually like overcoming it and either I failed or I rose to the occasion or I had that little quiet, oh, a little humble moment of, oh, not as good as I thought. All right, well, I'm just going to quickly Google and Google and Google and yep. get good at this really quick so nobody finds out. Yep. Um, I also, this is kind of funny. You're making me think of this. I sold a lot of stuff under the premise of, hey, your company does this, this, and this, right? Yep. Sure does. I have Cute. Been there. End of the meeting <laughs> picture, like a movie cut to the me furiously Googling, how do you do this? Yeah. <laughs> I always say it's like half the half the job when you're starting out is just figuring out random things you'd never thought you'd have to do. That's how oh I. Oh my feel. god! I'm still doing it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, still it, feel I mean, like that. that's the thing about entrepreneurship that I think was probably the coolest. It really does reveal what you're made of, and um, I'm really glad for that. But it it definitely left a lot of holes. And entrepreneurship is also very addictive. Like once you are accustomed to working for yourself and, you know, you just work when you want to and stuff like that, you get addicted to the high of success. You get addicted to all these things. It's the only addiction you get congratulated for having, which is really messed up because it's actually very destructive um, and constructive. It's both. And if you don't have that good relationship with yourself that I talk about so much in the book, you're just going to live in succeeding for the wrong reasons, which I did, you're going to live in destructive behaviors without even being really aware of what you're doing to yourself. And you're just going to get totally sucked down by this addiction. Um, You know, and honestly, any entrepreneur will be like, yeah, it's an addiction. Yeah. Yeah. Well, something that I love that you said earlier was I just wanted me to like me. And I, I relate to that. And I think so many people relate to that is you think you're getting into it for one reason, which is I want to work for myself and I want to create something. But I think for a lot of us, there's something else in the back of, 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 you know, at least for me, in the back of my head of like, I always feel like I have to prove something when the reality is that's not always the case. Like it's sometimes you just, just working and, and doing what you enjoy is enough. But I think there is something, especially for people who are successful, you always have to prove, well, I can do more and I can work harder and I can be bigger. And I think that's, you know, something that a lot of us struggle with. Well, and there's also, um, a little bit of one-upmanship that mm-hmm. happens um, within entrepreneurship circles. And, you know, like, I'll be honest, even now I feel it because I have a lot of friends that are entrepreneurs from just starting out to incredibly multi-millionaire heading towards billionaire success status. And sometimes I feel the, oh, well, you don't want to talk about your accomplishments because there's not as big as, and then I'm like six habits trained. And I'm like, uh, no, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> you're still remarkably successful. You're great. Just well, and it's, it's, it's almost easier to discredit yourself and say, oh, well, what, I, what I've done isn't that important. doesn't matter what it is and what the scale of it is. But it's easier to say, well, it's not that important because then you don't have to really be proud of yourself and you don't have to, to shut down the voices in your head that are telling you you're not doing enough and you're not working hard enough. And I wonder for you, starting a business so young, what were the reactions to that you know, from just people in your life? Was everyone like, oh, good luck to you? <laughs> Oh, I mean, honestly, it was a lot of skepticism, a Mm -hmm. lot of it. Um, You know, 
I remember being 19 years old and trying to go to like a business after hours event that was being held at a bar where you needed to be over 21. They'd be like, well, I'm sorry, you can't come in. And I'd look at them. God, I, I reflect on the, the nerve that I had back then. And I'm like, damn, that's impressive because at 19 <laughs> years old, I'd be looking at this guy, I'd be like, I don't care. Okay. I'm an entrepreneur. This is an event for me. You figure out your rules. It's not my problem. And I, I would just that. walk right in and they'd be I looking at me that. like, who is this pint-sized little dirtbag? Like, what, <laughs> who does she think she is? I'm an entrepreneur. That's who. Um, I love that. I had family, um, you know, skeptical, worried about me. I had some people offer to let me work for free in exchange for things for my portfolio, which is basically code for I don't respect you. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I've had the full gamut, but... You know, I think anytime someone goes out on their own, the the reception that someone gets is usually um, a reflection of the lens that the other person looks at their own life through. So when my mom was worried about me, it's how she was feeling, you know, if she were to be doing it on her own. When friends were every single emotion, it's it's all of the feelings they would have about their own journey. And I remember actually encountering other entrepreneurs and this was interesting. So being a really young entrepreneur and an attractive one um, and a female one, this was interesting because in my early twenties, you know, not really realizing my value, not really, really getting my, my worth or the need for boundaries, no idea about those. Um, I had a lot of male entrepreneurs um, and male um, buyers of, you know, in different departments that were buying marketing services um, treat me in a very overly sexualized manner. Mm -hmm. um, I had a lot of older women be openly hostile to me because being younger, smarter, and prettier doesn't make them feel too good about themselves, which, you know, it was odd. Like, the sexual harassment piece, like I got that on an, like a constant basis. Yeah. So I got, you know, there was the, the good old boys club, which got to love that, you know, they would invite me uh, to go to the strip club with them. Hey, you want to go to the strip club? And it's like, what am I, your, your, your token young, pretty thing to prove that you can get someone on the other side of the stage. Like, right. ew, just ew, shut up. Yep. But there was actually something really oddly empowering about um, having some of the older more established female entrepreneurs hate me so much um, because I was able to actually see through and understand why it was like, wow, how is it that you're like in your thirties and your forties and you're so beautiful and you're so successful, but you're looking at me like I'm a threat. Mm -hmm. Do you feel regret over not doing it sooner? Like, are you actually threatened? Cause I don't have nearly as much experience as you. I probably just have a lot earlier courage than you, but it's not any deficiency on your part. And it just kind of gave me um, an early glimpse into empathy and looking at other people um, and their journey and their insecurities. And ultimately that served me really well in being able to begin some of the research for the six habits. Well, I just love that you talk about that because that is something that basically still every single female entrepreneur that I talk to experiences, I experience it. It's you know, even the, the, the slightest reaction of, oh, I own a business. Oh, you do? And it's like that look of like, are, what do you, you know, I'm sure it's not real or I'm sure it's not significant from male entrepreneurs or, or whatever it is. And I find it to be so pervasive, you know, and since I started, I've had that experience of the comments and just the way that like the language around women, I find to be just incredibly offensive at times. And I think it's hard to, to not look at that and feel discouraged because I've had experiences where, just sitting in a group of five guys who own a business, the way they talk about women, I'm like, how can I ever do a deal with any of these people? How can I ever get a client to sign with one of these people? Because I just am so grossed out. But for me, it's been, you know, I, and I don't know what, you know, your perspective on it is, but I've had to balance just like sometimes saying no to working with people like that, even if they're successful, even if they have these big businesses. I'm like, if you talk about women like that, I don't want to work with you. <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. Um, I, I mean, I've experienced that. I, I think just being such a, I guess, like abrupt in your face type of person, a lot of men have always felt like they could just clearly and openly speak locker room talk. Mm -hmm. um, 
in front of me and like, oh yeah, I'll look at the tits on her and blah, blah, blah. Excuse me. She's my colleague. Also, I'm part of her gender. Can you not? Yep. Um, I mean, look, this is a, this is a podcast that is all about honesty. So I'm just going to say this to you. When I was early in my career, I didn't know how to say no to those transactions because there was money on the other end of it. And there was a tipping point in my career that didn't happen until I was around 10 years in where I would regularly turn away business and fire clients because, oh, no, 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 no. There's not an asshole tax big enough for you. Um, we're done here. But before that, if your money's green, I'm going to take it, which meant that I actually didn't have boundaries. And I took on a lot of clients that I knew were disrespectful to women, that were disrespectful to me. I've dealt with... Um, lots of hostile women in business, um, openly hostile men that actually are misogynists um, that believe that just because of my gender, they could get a deal out of me. And they're like, oh, come on, sweetheart. You know, you want to give me a deal. No, bro, I don't. I absolutely don't. Especially now that you've said that. <laughs> yeah. Love being called sweetheart. Please yeah. let's keep that up. Mm -hmm. That's going to go well for you. Uh, no, like I have to tell you one of the happiest, most profoundly proud days of my career was actually not when I retired, but it was when I fired my first client um, for mistreating me. And that was the day I powerfully drew a line in the sand that was like, no, I deserve respect. No, I'm not going to put up with this. And I don't have to because I'm a salesperson that can run circles around most people. So I don't need you. I am no longer in a state of lack. I am in a state of abundance. And bye, because I'm going to go get five more better than you. See oh ya. Oh my gosh. I literally want to take that piece of audio and like play it on a loop from a rooftop and just blast it through like cities. Do it, girl. That's Do it. Amazing. Because that is so huge that I, first of all, completely get what you're saying that when you're starting out, sometimes it's this feeling of obligation to just take the money or to take the deal or to work with the person. Totally. But then, you know, I've had that experience where I've worked with someone or signed a client and then lived with such regret when I'm working with them because I know the kind of person they are. I've had it bite me in the ass where someone does something and now my name is associated with the project. I'm like, great. Thanks so much. So I think it takes, mm -hmm. you know, trial and error and learning, but I, I think just being a woman in business is a challenge in itself that almost doesn't get recognized beyond, oh yeah, that must be hard. But it's like, no, it's, it's every day. It's anytime you interact with another person, that's, that can be a, uh, it can come up and it can be a problem. Yeah. And you know, the thing that probably surprised me the whole time, um, was how much of the business I built my company on in the first 10 years came from toxic places. Um, which actually really did a lot to me, which is probably why, like, I would go out and sell and I would take deals I shouldn't have and, you know, whatever. Um, you know, it just, I, I don't love how stressed out it made me and I don't love how I felt a lot of those times. And the fact that it was just so damn common and to the point where like the hostility, this is crazy, the hostility I faced from other women either being, you know, in a sales situation or having them as clients became something that I hated more than being sexually harassed. Really? Oh wow. yeah. It's sad because the amount of, of women that I see who either allow that kind of quote unquote locker room talk for men to go on and are like, oh, it's not a big deal. It's funny. That in itself becomes a problem too. On top of having other negative interactions with women who are older, mm -hmm. more experienced, who feel threatened. It's a combination of those two things of not stepping in when they see sexual harassment or locker room talk or whatever you want to call it. And then also on top of that, making younger female entrepreneurs feel bad. It's like, how do you, I don't know, you know, where even that mindset comes from, but I, I see it, you know? I, I actually do know where the mindset comes from, which is a big part of the work I do now. Um, so the thing about um, having that kind of mindset, um, sexually harassing women in the workplace or reducing women to just what they look like or things like that. These are acts of hostility and anger, but they come from a place of insecurity and treating other women like crap in business um, 
just really bringing a lot of hostility. Again, it's anger, it's hostility, it's insecurity. So what is insecurity? It's the feeling of not being secure. What is security? Security is safety. So people don't feel safe. They don't feel safe to express their boundaries and still be able to carry through with whatever their objective is. They don't feel safe to be accepted in the world as they are. They don't feel safe to stand tall and be proud. They don't feel safe, okay, at all. And I know this because I used to feel this way. And it's funny, now that I've actually done all the work, I've mastered the habits, I've figured out exactly what they are and how to do it, it's like staggering to me because now I look at the world and I look at other people through this lens of, I can see exactly which ones you've mastered and which ones you haven't. And I can see that you've clearly not mastered any over here because- <laughs> yeah. Because you treat people like crap when you feel like crap. Mm -hmm. And you allow people to treat you like crap when you feel like crap. But if you feel genuinely good and whole and secure, you're going to be kind to others. You're going to totally accept yourself and love yourself as is. You're not going to feel the imposter syndrome. And when you feel that little jerk on your shoulder, you'll be like, no, get away. And you'll reaffirm your own value. You'll look at your life through appreciation. You'll be able to like really be with certain moments and have good boundaries and you won't feel bad about it. And you'll be able to move powerfully through your career and through your life because you're operating from a totally different perspective. You know, it, it's like, it, it's not even like that that I was or other people are broken. It's that we have not been trained how to be happy. Mm -hmm. We haven't been trained how to like live our lives. We're trained how to brush our teeth and like eat our veggies. And, you know, um, you know, school doesn't even teach us how to like write in our checkbooks. You know what I'm saying? Like there's mm -hmm. so many things that are missing. Do you really think schools are teaching us important things like self-acceptance, you know, or like actually like being present? No, they're not. Right. And as a result, what you end up getting is a bunch of people who don't feel secure. You get little tiny humans in school with each other, treating each other badly from the time that they're children because they're learning from their parents. Do as I say, not as I do. Yep. Okay. You're getting a lot of that and you're seeing all this bad modeling coming from very incomplete, insecure parents training their children to be the same and then treating other children the same. And then you grow up as a very incomplete, insecure person who goes into corporate treating other people like crap. It's, it's a huge, huge, huge problem. And I think the other part- to And it's cyclical. It, oh, 100%. And I think the other part to look at is the loudest voices in business development and entrepreneurship are saying, get up at four in the morning, work all day, don't take care of yourself, go to bed, hustle, mm -hmm. hustle, hustle. And hustle culture is the epitome of digital entrepreneurship is, you know, if you don't wake up at five, you're a loser. If you don't work 17 hours a day, you must not be invested in your own success. And so on top of having this deep-seated unhappiness from just not feeling fulfilled with yourself, then it's like, don't take care of yourself, work 100 hours. It's the most toxic combination. But I think those are the voices that become really prevalent in the entrepreneurship space because that's shocking and that's exciting. Saying work 45 billion hours a week is a, is a, a shocking concept. So that's what gets the clicks and the views. Yeah. Overworking is a new status symbol that I refuse to participate in. I mean, mm -hmm. you said you read the book. So you saw that section in there where I'm like, you know what? Influencers suck it because you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. And this is also detrimental to people's health. And if you want to get up at four, because that's what your body does, cool, but you might not be healthy and being proud of the fact that you're grinding your ass into the ground and, and using like destructive things. First of all, you're so wrong in that, that you're trying to make up for something that's really messed up in your life. Maybe you just need a therapist and a hug to work it out. <laughs> right. um, instead of trying to A, push yourself to these insane levels where you're over overcompensating, but B, even worse, trying to make it a thing where you're actually pushing other people over the edge and over the brink of like sanity because it's like, oh, well, I worked 80 hours this week. How many did you work? And God bless Gary V. Love the guy. I'm not documenting my whole damn life. And I am most certainly not producing 80 pieces of content a day. Gary, love you. You're an overachiever. That's part of the problem. Um, it is not okay to glamorize destroying yourself. It's just not. Yeah. And I think, look, that's, I can't even imagine, you know, for you, I mean, Forbes 30 under 30 at 23 years old, which is a huge accomplishment, but I wonder for you how hard you were working and how much of that was kind of in your life at the time. 
it's been a while since I've been 23. Let me just say <laughs> that. Okay. So it was less common. Um, yeah. It's more of a fashion statement to grind and hustle. Mm -hmm. These words have only been kind of prevalent in the last maybe 10 years. Right. Um, <clears throat> it was really just... Um, just work, 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 work. And those words didn't come into play. I mean, I don't think of grinding, unless it's sexual, as an overly <laughs> positive term. Right. Um, you know, like <clears throat> when you grind pepper, are you making it better? No, you're destroying it. Yeah. That's, that's what you're doing. That's grind. Great. I love that. No. Yeah. I, drop dead. I'm not doing that. <laughs> like, you know, hustle. No, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build my business intelligently. And I love, and I mean that so facetiously when people are like, Oh, you need to be get up at 4am, blah, blah, blah. Because if you're sleeping many more than four hours a week, you know, or four hours a night, you're lazy. And it's like, actually as a person that retired at 37, um, and I'm living the life I built, I can tell you it's not the amount of hours, it's what you do with the ones you have. Yep. So you can work 20 hours a week, which sometimes I do, um, and I'm still running circles around you. Explain this to me. Is yeah. it because perhaps I don't do the filler little dumb things <clears throat> and I have enough good sense to actually have boundaries with my time and say no to people? Oh, hey, let me pick your brain. Sure, that'll be 500 bucks an hour. Sure. Oh, 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 well, I, I, I guess I don't need to pick your brain. No, you don't. No, you don't. Um, nobody gets to pick my brain. You, you want my knowledge, you pay for it. And that's if I decide to even give you the link to my calendar. Like right. the courage to say no to people and, and flipping to that abundant state of, I don't need to do this. I don't need your business. I don't need this. And I don't need that. It changes how you treat people. Accordingly, it changes how they treat you. When you're no longer operating from a place of, please do business with me, please don't ever fire me, you're constantly on the bottom, okay? But the person that is not afraid to leave the relationship is the one that holds all the power within. And this is universal across life and business and whatever. This is now the case in every relationship I hold. I have no problem, and I mean this, saying goodbye to literally anyone in my life, anyone, which means I'm not feeling at risk. Like I need to be beholden and betray myself to make someone else happy. Business is easier. Relationships are easier. These are my terms. Yep. I like well, them or and, don't. And the reason I love that is because I think especially for women, like, you know, I see this all the time. I have this. It's hard to say no to people because you don't want to be labeled a bitch or difficult or annoying. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I've gotten to a point now, especially even just in the past couple months, you know, with all of the COVID stuff where I realized life is short. You got to really just, you know, make the most of it and, and not focus so much on the things that don't matter. Like I'm fine with someone calling me a bitch, like good, you know, you suck, but that's fine because I don't want to be so caught up in the perception people have of me. Obviously you want to be a good person. You want to be kind to other people, but like having boundaries doesn't make you a bad person saying no, mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you're evil or difficult, but I think we're all so afraid to be labeled that way. And it's like, oh, I can't tell this client that they're being disrespectful or I can't tell this client that I'm not going to work with them because of the way they treat me or their, you know, people in their life. Like, right. but it's, it's the, it's, you know, aside from just being the right thing to do, like your life and your business becomes better when you let go of those people. That's true. But like the reason why we don't want to be seen as bitch or this or that is because we are still not living fully in allegiance to what our own definition is. So you want to call me a bitch. You might be accurate about that. I, I am not a nice person when you cross <laughs> me, but I'm also one of the kindest people on the planet. So if that's your perception and you calling me a name is your way of thinking you're going to get what you want. That is your ticket to getting the hell out of my life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have such solid constitution. I don't care what you call me, you know, like in occasional fights with me and my husband, occasionally I'll throw a zinger and I'm like, really? <laughs> is that all you got? <laughs> like, you can't affect me because it's yeah. like, I know who I am and I know I am not anything other than what I decide, decide that I am. And the thing is, we are impervious to the insults of other people and the accusations of other people and the treatment of other people um, when we are in a solid, unshakable relationship with ourselves first before anything else. So I told you I started a company at 19 and then I retired at 37. And then I changed my life massively, which was epic. Okay. But then because, you know, with the whole book thing, turns out you got to do a little business stuff to actually get people to know about the book and read said book so they can right. change their lives. 
I am mm, somewhat reluctant business owner again, you know, um, I, I, I don't like social media. I'll be the first one to tell you that it's written there in my book. I avoid I get it. it. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan, especially lately. It's like, wow, that's, that's a toxic waste site. So, um, <laughs> you know, I just like, I'm finding myself being a business owner all over again. And also, um, my successor from my marketing company, poor kid, she got cancer. Oh, so, no. um, yeah, so I have to briefly unretire. So now I'm currently uh, CEO of two companies. Uh, when I was really only trying to be like part-time CEO of like mostly nothing. So (laughs) you're like, I should be CEO of relaxing and okay. (laughs) Yeah. And like, you know, I will be the chief, you know, everything of looking for sea turtles and starfish. That would be my job. So, um, to be not quite living that, you know, it's okay. Um, but I'm just really, really happy that I did the work on myself because now that I'm actually back in my first company temporarily. Can we just say that with a capital T <laughs> temporarily? Um, she, she'll be back. She's, she's one of the toughest human beings I've ever met. Um, so she'll be back probably sooner than any of us realizes. And, um, until that day though, the experience I'm noting is so different this time because I am different this time. And the way I am showing up in this business is different. I am not the dragon lady anymore. I am not the shitty boss that no one wants to talk to. I am now a better listener. I'm a better leader. I am a much better client support. I am, I'm a much better everything and including salesperson in the middle of the world going sideways. Mm-hmm. Um, and my other company, you know, it's just, it's running really well. The one with the six habits and, you know, it, it's, it's nice how easy and fun things become when you actually do the work to honor yourself and build yourself up correctly. I wish I had known about this stuff when I was younger. I wish I had been given the opportunity to know this stuff earlier, but Hey, I'm just going to take the win. And I'm, I'm really grateful that I had the opportunity to learn it at least when I did. So I could show up and be different now. Like, I have probably much more responsibility at this current point in time than I did when I was in like the throes of active action, like, you know, driving in and out of Boston every single day, trying to sell stuff to like these big corporate enterprises and blah, blah, blah. And yet I'm calmer. I'm happier, sleeping better. I'm not stressed. It's like, well, you know, it's all good. I can only do just so much. And it, it's interesting because I notice I'm, com- I'm communicating much more vulnerably to people. Um, I don't care. Like when you work on yourself, you don't have the need for the facade anymore. Yeah. And it's nice to not have to do business that way. And that was probably one of the things that characterized my experience of doing business in New England. And I hear the West Coast is kind of the same way where facades and image are extremely important. And it is so nice that despite doing business now internationally, including New England, um, I don't care. And there is no facade and people are oddly drawn to it because they're like, Ooh, that's different. Yeah. yeah. That is. I mean, look, you're not, I think when you like yourself, it's almost circling back to what you were saying at the beginning, when you suddenly like yourself and you've done all this work to become happy with the way that you are and the, the, your philosophy about yourself, how much easier is it to just walk into a room and be like, this is who I am. I like me. So if you don't, that's not really my utmost concern. And I wonder too, for you, you know, right when you retired, if it was difficult for you to acknowledge that unhappiness, if that was something that you were fighting against or trying to tell yourself that you were happier, what that became like for you. Because I can't imagine doing all of this work and having these, this huge business and, and then being like, but I'm still not happy. Mm, yeah, that was painful. I mean, I remember staring at the wall in my house, like over the summer. Um, that last year, I was basically mostly retired. I just hadn't actually fully ripped off the bandaid yet. I kept saying to my successor, like your biggest job right now is to fire me, fire me so hard. Come on, give it to me. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, so that last year, 
maybe I was working like 10 hours a week, maybe. So I was kind of retired already. But I remember I took most of August off. And as anyone will tell you about trying to sell anything in New England in August, summer lasts about five freaking minutes in, the, in New England. So nobody wants to buy or sell anything in August. So it yeah. was routine for me to take like much of August and actually December off because there was no point. Mm-hmm. So this was in August. Um, And I just remember like actually staring at the wall in almost this weird, like catatonic, like glazed over state and just being like, wow, where the hell did I go so wrong? Why do I feel so just, I don't know how to spell that or it would have been in the book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, look, that's, that's so interesting to me because I think it's exactly this idea that like, I love what you said, like, even though you can intellectually know happiness is a a journey, not a destination, the reality of that, like on a spiritual level is not always there. And I'm sure that's kind of a little bit of what you felt is, well, you know, I did all this and and now I'm here, but it's like the happiness doesn't come from, from the being there. Yeah, no, it was, it was honestly, I guess a little surprising because I'd never really slowed down long enough to actually take inventory of the situation. And then when I did slow down, it was like, oh God, what have I done? Dude, I was bleeding internally from years of stress. Mm-hmm. I mean, my gut health was so like destroyed. I was just not okay. And, you know, like people don't realize that stress actually lowers your immunity. They did a 30 year study. I say they, everybody knows who they is. Just go with it. Um, they did a 30 year study um, on the effects of stress on immunity. And there actually is a proven scientific correlation between higher stress and lower immunity. So for anyone that's still swirling the COVID drain, maybe you should work on your ability to get through life solidly. So your immunity will be better. So that's mm-hmm. one, but you know, I wasn't, healthy. I was sick all the time. Oh my God. I was getting sinus infections constantly. I was taking antibiotics like candy. You know, my, my insides were really upset. And I remember actually having some blood work done and some other work done and taking a look at like, you're supposed to have like a bunch of good bacteria in your gut. Um, because I, you know, my immunity had been destroyed. I had been taking tons and tons of antibiotics. I had actually killed off entire colonies wow. of the good bacteria that I need. I was bleeding internally and turns out my hormones were all messed up. And I was actually marching towards pre-cancer all because I insisted on doing things the wrong way. And it's amazing how self-love and self-appreciation and having a good constitution with yourself changes your life so dramatically. And it's like, you know, I moved to Hawaii and I did all those things and yeah, I'm a happier person, but I'm also going to live longer yeah, and I'm going to live better. And I already am living better. And that's the real takeaway from all of this for me is it's like, you know, like I had the big house in New England. I downsized. I live in a small place in Hawaii now, but I wake up and I look at the ocean every day from my pillow and I'm happy. And I need a lot less stuff. And I remember once upon a time being like, well, I need a new car every two years and I need designer handbags. Don't care. Now I have a car, which most wealthy people will tell you is uh, the, the way to go, that I will be driving till the wheels fall off because I don't need other people to approve of me anymore because I finally do. I love that. And it's, it's interesting to me because I sort of have started on a sort of a similar journey, which is right. Nice right, you know, when I kind of before COVID was realizing like I'm working constantly and it's not satisfying and I like what I do, but I, I'm doing it for all the wrong reasons. And so I did a very similar thing, left mm-hmm. LA, moved to San Diego, staring at the ocean right now. Like, and it was so, nice. it was so great to be like all these expectations that I had for myself. And I think always feeling like I wasn't doing enough, just letting go of it and actually enjoying being, yeah. being present. And like, you know, if something takes 10 extra minutes to get done because I'm not panic typing. That's okay. Like that's fine. And I think that's That's okay. So many people are afraid of that. I was afraid of that. And I was like, my whole life is going to fall apart if I don't work every second, every day. And suddenly my business doubled because I let go. And it's the, it's the weirdest phenomenon and nobody believes me, but I'm like, that's why I love your book so much is because (laughs) it helped me so much. And it's, I know it's helped other people, but it's like, it was so helpful because it validated this, this little tiny voice in my head that was like, you're not doing this for the right reasons. And this is not going to last if you keep doing it this way. And it's like letting go of, of the idea that being stressed out is good and that panicking is good. And that 
you know, oh, in order to be successful, you have to work yourself into the ground and, and hate yourself and hate everyone around you. And it's like, that's a terrible way to live. So I think yeah. your journey is amazing. Your book is amazing. I'm going to link all of your Amazon links everywhere, Instagram, on the podcast. Like everyone needs to go buy this book, but I just That's think- awesome. Or they could do what you did and uh, actually ask me for an autograph copy, which you can get through my website. Yes, that's the way to do it. So you will link that too. I mean, like you need- Have the- you uh, downloaded the exercises and done those? I have not. I will. That sounds great. You definitely should. You know, there's only like 18 prompts for you to do it, but they're free. And you know, oh, if, you, if you love the book- I do. Which- that makes me happy. Um, you'll find the exercises to be a huge, huge leap forward. And then if you're loving that, the 90 day will absolutely rock your world. Amazing. I'll link all of that because I think people will really take so much from it. Um, if you're grinding yourself into the ground, waking up at 4 a.m. for no reason and panicking, please go read this book. I, I or because some you. influencer told you to. Oh my God. If they're telling please you- Please turn that yes. off. Yes. And please turn on your, you know, your, your self-love and begin that journey because it's much healthier and you're actually going to be richer faster, which is so hard to believe. But it's it the goes, truth. It's the truth. It is. And you know what? There's lots of people, God bless them, and you know, it's like, oh, law of attraction, law of attraction. Believe me, I'm all about law of attraction. But if you're not in a good state, you will attract the wrong things because law of attraction is very real. And you will manifest more of what you think about. And perhaps what you're thinking about are these worries that you don't want to acknowledge and bring to the surface, but they're there. Right. Therefore, you continue to manifest lots of the bad crap. Mm-hmm. But if you're in a constant state of like good and positivity and really in feeling whole and complete, guess what you're going to attract? success because people just desperately want to be around winners. Yeah. Oh God. It's so true. You're amazing, Laura. Thank you so much for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. I'll make sure to link everything, website, courses, everything. Cause you're just, I mean, I, I, if you're listening to this, I can't encourage you enough to at the very least read the book because it will just do so much for you. Whether you're in business, thinking about starting a business, it's, I love what you said about, I wish I'd known this earlier. It's like amazing that now you get to give this to people when they're just starting out. So please go read the book. That's my add that. <laughs> I'm like, please. Thank you for the plug. If you want a job marketing my book, you let me know. <laughs> <I will. laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Laura. I really appreciate it. Thank that. you. Truly a pleasure. What an episode, which is something I feel like I say every week, but I've just been so lucky and fortunate to chat with guests who I think have not only incredible stories, but incredible life perspectives. So hopefully you all took something away from that. I know I definitely did. Laura is just such a powerhouse, such an inspirational person to talk to. She is strong and unapologetic, but still so genuinely kind and caring, which is a hard balance to strike, and she just does it so well. She said so many things in this episode that resonated with me. I was listening back while I was editing, and I just feel so connected to her because I think we have some of the same struggles, and I'm sure if you're a woman in business, you get it. You've been there. You understand. One of the things that Laura said that I loved is that you don't necessarily need everyone to like you. You need to like you. And I think that gets glazed over because we're also concerned, especially with the prevalence of social media, of what does everyone think of me and what do they think of what I'm doing? And this perception becomes really important. And I even find that I have to work hard to shy away from that of do people perceive me as being a really hard worker? Do people perceive me as being successful? It doesn't matter. I know I work hard. I know I'm successful. I literally don't care what anyone else thinks, but it took me a long time of, of internal work and enjoying my own company and enjoying my own successes to stop being concerned with the perception of success that I thought other people needed to have for me to feel good. The other thing that she said pretty early in the episode that I wrote down Um, and I've been thinking about it for the past week or so, is she was facing the death of who she thought she was. And like, if that's not a powerful statement, I don't know what is. Because when you think of happiness as a destination, as a place that someday off in this faraway universe you will get to, you're never really going to be satisfied. I've, I've done this to myself. I've said, okay, well, when I move or when I buy the new car or when I, you know, get the opportunity that I want or the deal that I want or start the next company, then I'm going to be really, really happy. And you're not because there's no magic wand. You have to be satisfied with the work and the journey to actually be happy, to feel fulfilled. It's something that I work on every single day is not just rushing to the next goalpost. And it's hard. I have a personality where You know, I like things to move fast. I'm always trying to jump to the next thing, which is great, but also not if you make yourself miserable while you're doing it. So that's something I work on 
If you're a business owner, you may have experienced something similar. What's next? What's next? What's next? And that's okay. But try to do that in such a way where you also learn to appreciate the smaller moments. And of course, if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I really often discuss sexual harassment and abuse in the workplace, in you know the general population, in the street, wherever I go. I have experienced it for the most part. I know most women have. And I, it was very emotional for me, surprisingly so, when I was talking to Laura. I was like, don't burst into tears during this episode. But I have found that it's difficult to be a female entrepreneur because you don't get taken as seriously. And maybe other people have had different experiences. I don't know. But for me, I feel like, you know, I'm young. I'm 21. I look really young. I wear leggings and sweatshirts all the time and I have my hair in a messy bun and I'm kicking ass. But people look at me and because of the way that I look and my age and I'm young and I'm, you know, just kind of dressed like a middle schooler, they assume that I must not actually be successful or that I must not really run a business, make that two businesses. And that can be hard because you want people to take you seriously, but I also don't want to have to change who I am for people to take me seriously. I don't want to have to put on a, a blazer and a friggin' pantsuit for you to think that I'm important. And that is difficult because not only are you facing people not taking you seriously because of your gender or gender identity or your age or any other factor, it's also then like the blatant harassment and abuse that occurs on top of that that I've experienced in every industry I've ever worked in. So it can be really difficult. It was just really, I don't know, fulfilling for me to talk to Laura about that because sometimes I bottle that in and I'm like, I can't say that I feel, you know, harassed or discriminated against because then people will think I'm being a victim. And it's like, no, that's not the case at all. I'm lucky. The people who I work with at my companies are wonderful and kind. And I work with some amazing men who are positive and empowering and would never, ever, ever do anything you know, inappropriate or say anything inappropriate, which is lucky because there are so many, you know, men in business who unfortunately don't perceive what they're doing as being offensive or being abusive or being harassment because it's just a joke. It's just funny. It was just one comment. And that's not fair. And it's not true that your joke is not offensive. Your joke is offensive and your comments do matter. So, you know, I could obviously talk about this all day and probably some point I'll do an episode just by myself about that because I have so many things I want to say. But I hope that if you are a guy or a man or a, an adult male in any position of power, that you hopefully took something from what Laura said and what I'm saying now, which is that you don't know the experience of a woman in business if you are not a woman in business. So don't act like you do. Just try to be better. Just try to be more open and inclusive and watch your fucking language, please, as I swear. Um, but the way that you talk matters. The comments you make matter. The last thing that I want to touch on is not being afraid to make changes that will allow you to be happier. In Laura's wonderful, amazing, very well-written book, The Six Habits, a lot of what she talks about is structuring your life in such a way that will bring you happiness and that will bring you joy and that is not so focused on the minutiae and the negativity of the day-to-day. -day. And for me, you know, moving to the beach and making some changes in my personal life brought me so much happiness, but I was afraid for a long time because I didn't want it to seem like I was running away from something or like I was just trying to avoid my problems by moving or buying a car or doing this or that. And I've learned like it's okay to lean into what will make you happy and it's okay to make changes and you're not a bad person or you're not failing if you decide to do things differently. In fact, you're actually helping yourself and that's when happiness and success actually come. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was just really wonderful to talk to Laura. I think she's just such a wonderful person and, and her book is incredible. Uh, I'll link everything that she has down below, her website, her book, which is called The Six Habits. Please go read it. Um, her courses, everything that she does. She's just wonderful and so glad she was on today. That was just such a great conversation. If you want to support me and Gifted Podcast, please like and subscribe and rate and review and do all the things and share it with a friend. It really, really, really helps tremendously. I can't emphasize that enough. And of course, if you want updates as they come, you can follow us on Instagram at Gifted Podcast or my personal Instagram at Danny Coco one See you next week.